Hi, and welcome to the Yes Mama podcast. A yes mama is one who loves being a mom, who is in it to have the best time with their kids, to raise confident and happy and successful and resilient kids. And here at the Yes Mama podcast, we do that through intimate conversations with moms and sometimes dads about the best ways that we've found simple yet effective parenting methods that have helped our kids to really thrive. So even just by being here, you're doing such a great job by showing up, taking this hour out of your day to be a better parent shows how much you care. So great job. Thanks for being here. Here we go. I'm here with um, the beautiful and well-educated, amazing mama, Renee. Can you tell me your business name and tag name and all those before we even get started so that so that we can see kind of where you're coming from, just to So hi, Alana. Thank you for having me. I'm Renee, founder of Kiru Parent Education. Kiru is actually um, short for my daughter's middle name, which is Nkiruka. And it means the future is bright. The best is yet to come. And so that's kind of the lens that I take on when I'm working with parents. It's like even the ones who are struggling, right? It's like, it's fine. We're in this period, but the best is yet to come. And the future is bright for you, for your parenting relationship and for your children. You know, if you implement these tools, then there's no chance that you're going to fail, right? Like there's going to be moments of failure, but like the future will be bright. Um, so Kiru Parent Education and my handles on social are um, I'm Mary Poppin on maryppoppin.ed on Instagram and TikTok. I love that. And yeah, your TikToks are actually where I found you. And I love them because they're just down to earth. And here's a little snippet of advice that you can try that is highly effective and works so well. But I do have to throw in one thing before we even really get started. So I'm a a singer first. I went to college at, to be a, you know, voice. I wanted to be the next Mariah Carey. That's myself of when I went to college. Cause she was just like hitting her stride, you know, when she was younger and whatever. Now that she's not wonderful now, not throwing any shade on, on Mariah. Um, and I knew that I wanted to be an educator too. I loved kids. And so once I kind of got towards the end of my college career, being in music school, I ended up graduating with a music education degree and singing with little ones at circle time is my absolute favorite. And the songs you have that in common, uh, the songs you've been making up with your little one, they are amazing on just like all the levels. I could talk about that for an hour that what was the the one the other day was sometimes you have to say no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sometimes Sometimes the answer is no. And that's why I find myself telling her that all the time. And so I'm like, okay, let's just put in a song because then I can just sing it. And so sometimes I'll say no first. And then she keeps trying. I'll just start saying, sometimes the answer is no. Because then it's like, I'm no longer engaging in the conversation. I said what I said. And here's your reminder of like, sometimes that's just the answer. But you're also lightening the mood by putting a little like rhythm to it. You're Mm -hmm. also, you know, having it sink into her whole you know, system everywhere that sometimes the answer is no. And I know the song. And if I'm having some big feelings about it, I knew that that was, it's like setting that expectation, right? Sometimes it is. And also we know, you know, through working with children that music is so helpful in so many different areas. One, it helps you calm your body because when you're singing, you're a singer. So when you're singing, you know, it like vibrates your chest and that has a soothing appeal to it, right? Yeah. Plus there's just like the melody, which makes it fun and light. And there's the mnemonic device of having it be a song that allows them to just remember the message and it becomes part of them. So music is so beautiful. And we we have a love, we, we have that in common. I have a love, deep, deep love for music. Um, yeah. Didn't study it, but uh, yes. I- No, I just, I know <laughs> I got my credentials of how I got that. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, the other thing about music is, and you're right, it, it soothes that whole nervous system. Absolutely. I teach, um, I'm a private music teacher now is what I do after school. And the kids that I work with, I found as they were playing piano, they weren't setting up with the middle C in the middle. They were setting up a whole octave higher. And I did some research on that. And it's actually the whole reason why all those Disney princesses just have that higher range of where they talk. It's actually a, a known soothing tone for, for kids. Oh, wow. I didn't know right? that. So when they sing and they use their little sweet voices that are like a little bit higher, again, that, that Disney princess range, 
it just, it soothes the whole body. So, so well, I, I might need to ping you for piano lessons when my daughter turns four. Oh, I don't know when you start, but I'll circle yeah. back on that. Absolutely. No, four for sure is a good one. And I also, um, my other quick music teacher tip is if they want to learn guitar, start them on ukulele. Oh, she has one. She just got one for Christmas. We've been, yeah. Yeah. I've been like, we've been learning the scale and she's been learning to plug. So she doesn't have a teacher, but I've like been watching YouTube to learn and then I'm teaching her. Oh, well, call me later. We'll do it. Absolutely. No problem. Because I'm so serious about music for her. Oh, good. No, well, she has great, perfect pitch and she knows what she's doing. And I'm sure being in a house that plays music, she gets that steady beat is another thing that is. Yeah, she's so musically inclined. She makes up songs like I listen to a lot of instrumentals and just because, you know, it's just nice to have melodies in the house always. And so I'll hear her playing in her room and she'll be like making up a song and it'll actually rhyme and it'll actually sound good melodically. So I'm like. Yes. Oh, we're going to push you. We're going to push you in this direction. Like you Absolutely. are a little musical person. Yeah. Right. I've been having a lot of talks lately um, in recording these podcasts about the whole gardener's nine intelligences and how reading and math or, you know, the, the classic, what we would think of as intelligence. There are so many other ones, you know, being inclined in sports, but music is one of them too. And, and mm-hmm. dance and how we relate with other people. So there's all these different ways that kids can present themselves in the world and feel proud of what they're doing. You know, I'm sure that when she hears you come in and you're like, Hey, I heard that song. That was beautiful. She feels connected to you. She feels proud of herself. It's a way that you're, um, I'm trying to think of the word that you're like reinforcing that she's doing something that's good. Yeah. Yeah. She also gets a little bit shy, so I don't really comment all the time, you know, so I'll I'll hear her and I'll just kind of like put my ear up to the door and like, listen and just be giddy on the inside, but I don't always comment, you know, unless she invites me in, then I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, I'll sing together. But sometimes she's like, no, this is my song. Like, don't see, <laughs> don't Look see her lighting down those boundaries. I love that. No, that's great. That's but it's, great. It's, it's funny because you just spoke to this idea that um, I'm, I'm super intentional about, which is like allowing my child to exist outside of a box. So like, you know, you say like people assume that the only way you can be intelligent is if you're really good at math or science or one of these things. Yes. And I think that's part of the problem why there are so many children who don't do well in school because they've adopted that belief that like, if I'm not good at this thing, then I'm just not good at learning. Right. right? But like maybe math is not your skill, but maybe music is, or maybe, um, I don't know, maybe you're an artist of some other kind, right? You're, you're a creative person. And so the reason that you don't do well with math is because there are specific rules, but you need to live outside of rules and create your own. And that's okay too, you yeah. know? And, and so I'm super like- The only smart that there is, you know? Right, there's so many ways to be smart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's really important. And that creative thing is the most important because I don't actually want to raise a child- who is just a rule follower who does everything right all the time. And like, who, I just, that's not interesting to me. You know, I want her obviously to follow rules, yeah. but, but I think it's detrimental to just be a person who only follows rules. Like I want you to be a creative thinker. I want you to think for yourself, a critical thinker. I want you to buy into the rule, which is why back to the parenting thing, yeah. you know, she pushes back against me a lot. She is a fiery, feisty one, you know? And it's annoying and it makes parenting her hard, but I love, I love people like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to give space and I'm going to explain to you why. And like, even though it's like, because I said so, you know, like that's ultimately the reason, but like, here's why I'm saying so, you know? So like, you still have to do the thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to help you understand why, because I like the fact that you want to understand and buy into it because that's how you should be in life. You know, you shouldn't just go along with the flow because everyone said that this is what we're doing. And so you do it too. No, you decide for yourself if that's the right thing to do. You know, um, I just think that's, that's really, really important. And it's important, especially for those feisty ones to have the space to be allowed to use their intuition at such a young age, because it translates so much to what happens when they're in high school or they go to college and they're out in the world. And if they've never been taught that that was okay, you know, they might go to a, some scary frat party and be in a situation that doesn't feel right, but they've never had a chance to really listen to themselves and get themselves out of there. And, yeah. you know, and so it's, it's interesting how our culture really does say you follow the rules, sit and be quiet, do all your homework. And then 
we're surprised later when they don't know who they are. They don't have the skill. Oh, when they, when they never learned the skill. Wow. (laughs) Um, But then there's also the other side that I love that you touched on that you're still in charge. You're still mom, right? You're still not letting her run out into the street and she still does have to go to school and do her homework, but within, within those healthy parameters. She has an understanding about why. And that's okay. You know, I think a lot of times parents feel like a child asking why is disrespectful because their idea is like, because I said so, like I'm saying it and therefore you don't need to question me. But like, think about the type of human that you're raising if that's their understanding. Yeah. No, I want my child to question everything. I want her to wonder like, "Mm, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't make sense to me. You know, question it, which is why I I don't really like traditional schooling. You know, the sit in the desk, be taught at you know, it's, it just, it goes against everything that I think is right for children and for humans in general. I, yeah. I prefer the Montessori approach because it's more of like free form, follow the child, you know, yes. um, that's my style. It matches my parenting style and it matches my daughter's personality. <laughs> so it's, it's the way. so individual centered. I don't know if we touched on it. I'm a Montessori teacher, so oh, I don't even I don't even know if we got there, but maybe that's, you know, I see that in yeah. here. But the Montessori idea of I can do it myself, of their pacing is their pacing, right? You don't have to follow along with where the class is necessarily. My son, I wish I had lived in a town where he could he could do that because he's on the gifted spectrum. And so oh, there man. are some things that he is amazing at. And then there were some things... Unfortunately, it turned out that he just wasn't interested. And he's like, I can do it in five minutes and I just don't care. And I don't want to be Right. And then a lot of times they'll have them teach the other kids. Oh, well, you already finished your work. Why don't you go help, you know, Johnny? Cause he can't do it. And while that's wonderful and he is a helpful sweetheart of a little kid, he's not little anymore. He's 19. He's huge. And he has a beard. <laughs> so not little, but that's not necessarily the best use of his time during the day. So yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm a diehard Montessori myself. I hear. Oh you. yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's the best way. In that environment and then letting them be, be creative within it. Right. And then you can be more intentional too, right. Around, you know, you talk about preparing the environment. So, you know, you don't have to be the helicopter teacher or helicopter mom. That's like trying to determine what everyone's doing all the time, because you've set up the space that allows freedom yes. within limits. Right. So this it's like everything is available if you've had a lesson. And so then the child also has to govern themselves because they go to try to touch something and like, oh, I'm sorry. Have you had a lesson on that? Okay. Well, that's silly. You can put that back. And it's not like you're telling them, no, stop, don't do that. It's like they already really know and they're testing that boundary. And here you can step in to reinforce it yeah. and move about. You know, you don't have to be so authoritarian in that space in the same way that you kind of do in the traditional classroom, because there, there are hard do's and don'ts. Um, it just feels very different and more constricting. Yeah. And, and there's the movement factor too, that kids need to move their bodies. Again, I don't care how old they are. I know for me, you know, I need to get up and just wiggle around and, and that's part of the Montessori classroom that they are moving around. Sometimes they're doing work on the ground. Sometimes they're at a little table and, when they finish the one lesson, which again is another one of my favorite things, they're working on one thing. I know exactly what I'm working on, whether you know they're younger, they're it's phonics. Like that's the one thing I'm doing, sorting my letters and sounds, whatever. Great. I put that back. I get to move around, find my next thing, work out my body a little bit, and it's just that freedom. Again, yeah. I guess it all comes down to that a little it's bit. It's freedom, yeah. And like if I want to pause this activity, I can. And I can go grab something else, you know? And it's like, I mean, that's how I used to do my classroom. I didn't make people clean up. It's like, you can pause it and move on to something else and come back to to this. As long as, you know, there's not a long line of children waiting, which there aren't because there's so many things to to do in the classroom. So it's like, and I do the same thing at my house. And it's so funny because my mom will come and she'll say like, oh, Iman, you know, put that away before you move on to something else. But like in her mind, it's not just a mess. No, there's, this is like an activity that is out. It is on her rug. It is together. It is, you know what I mean? And so yes. I have to tell my mom like, hey, I, I understand you don't want her to leave a mess around the house, but that's not actually a mess. <laughs> you know, you have to see it from her perspective. Like this is her activity that she has paused. It's all together. She's still building that thing. 
She's going to come back to it. She's now doing this and that's okay. Now, if she went around and started pulling everything out and it was all just crazy on the floor, that's different. But you have to kind of step back and look at it from the child's perspective to see like, Mm -hmm. ah, that's not a mess. Like she's building a house there and those are the extra pieces. And she, you know what I mean? Like she's, she's moved on, but she's going to come back and finish it. And she always does and cleans it up, you know, like it's fine. But it's hard for some people with like the untrained eye to understand what's happening there. But you've, it's not, I mean, you've laid the groundwork. You've taught her that she needs to come back and that there is a time that she needs to clean up. And yeah, having the mat, you know, the little rug out and this oh, is great. This <laughs> is brilliant. Um, my daughter is 22, about to graduate college. And I will tell you, we joke all the time about being a Montessori baby and how she organizes things and how she has a schedule to There's her There's so day. much order. There's so much order, but it's, there's such safety in that order. There's it, right. They, they know that, that when they take the time and they do it right. And I mean, even when she's coming home for, for, you know, vacation or whatever, I have to organize my pantry perfectly or else she'll come home and she'll be like, Oh mom, no, <laughs> no. And she like has to rearrange everything like by color or by size or whatever. So yeah. Montessori babies for life. They don't ever grow out of that. No way. <laughs> I love it. Two things that that you said that I'd love to touch on. One is the idea of the crazy playroom. So I've gone as a music teacher into a bunch of houses and the stuff is absolutely everywhere. And the moms always apologize. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. It's such a mess in here. And they feel like they need to clean up everything. But also it's not a fun place to go and to play. Like I don't see how the kids would even walk in there and want to be in that space and then at the same time, it's there's a lot of money was put into all those toys. There are some wonderful things in there. Can you speak to that? Because you have, I mean, how old is your daughter? Is she Mine's four? Three. She's three. Right. She's just really tall, but she's three. She'll be oh, four in a minute. Oh, I'm so jealous. They're so cute. I love that. Yeah, I love this age. Um, yeah, you know what's so funny is like on her birthdays and Christmas, I'm always telling family like, please, she doesn't need anything. You know what I mean? Like if you must like pay for her her like dance classes next month or you know what I mean? Like do something. I like love that. that. Yeah. But like please or her, you know, her tuition is this much. Like if you want to throw in on that, <laughs> you know. But honestly, like she doesn't need things. Um, she doesn't need anything else. And it's because like there's there's order, right? And and all of those plastic toys, like they play with it, but there's not very much to do with it except what it's meant to do. Right. Whereas the Montessori activities are more open-ended, right? And that's why I love them because it's like, okay, so maybe you have the pink tower and maybe you have brown stairs and you can tap, you can stack, but you can also build something with them. You can also put them together and build something else. You can also, you know what I mean? There's so many different things. And so if people do want to buy her things, I prefer like blocks, Legos, magnets house things that allow creativity mm-hmm. over like some plastic toy that lights up and makes noise that she'll play with for a few seconds and then dis- discard it and I also think that there's you know the children get overwhelmed when there's so many options in the same way this is taking me back um, to my bachelor's I studied psychology developmental psych yeah and there was a study and I don't remember all the details but I do remember it was about ice cream <laughs> so yes. there was a study about um, you know, when you go to a store, you're saying you want to buy ice cream and you get there and there is strawberry, chocolate, vanilla. You can get in there and you'll say, um, I'll take strawberry. Easy choice. You're satisfied with your choice. You pay and you go. But if you go there and there's like mint chocolate chip, strawberry, pistachio, macadamia nut, uh, strawberry with chocolate on the side, sprinkle, confetti, <laughs> you know, there's just like so many options you can never choose. And you feel a little bit, I know I feel overwhelmed. Like, oh, can I taste that? Can I sample that? Oh, I don't know. Can I have a little bit of this and a little bit of that? And it just, it's just unnecessary anxiety, too many choices. And and then if you choose one, are you ever really satisfied? Because there were all these other ones that maybe you could have chosen. Maybe that one would have been better. You know, it's just, it's hard to just find satisfaction and pleasure. And I think on a side note, the same thing is happening in today's world with these like dating apps. (laughs) <laughs> say more let's hear where you're going with that That's no awesome. there's just way too many choices and it's why like it's so hard to find your one person because it's like you've chosen one and they're good enough you know like I like them they tick off my boxes but like maybe there's one a little bit better yeah. <laughs> you know it's so just it's hard to be satisfied when there are so many options and I think that's what happens with 
the busy playrooms with all of the different toys. It's just, there's so many and you're never going to play with any for an extended period of time. And it's my belief that toys are meant to do something for the child, not just to entertain the child, but like do something for them, you know, inspire them, you know, to build or to think about something in a particular way. Like play is learning and learning is play. Those two should always be intertwined to me, you know, and, and you can have fun and be like building a large Lego tower truck, you know, I don't know, but it's like, you know, it's your imagination too. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And then they can, they can take it as far as they want to go with it. You know, they can really have it yeah, turn into anything that their, their heart desires that their, their brain can do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love the concept too, of the cleaning up the playroom together. Oh, know, yeah. there's, there's definitely songs for that. Uh, but having moms realize that that is not their job or moms or dads or whoever is there with them. Um, to go in after your child and clean up the whole thing. They can learn to put away the thing when they finished, or if they have one or two out that, Hey, dinner's in a little while, let's go in there and turn on a fun song and I'll clean up together. And I think that really helps when it comes to their bedrooms, when they get older, it helps when organizing their backpacks for all the schoolwork. And they, like, there's so many ways that that applies later that these little things that they learn when they're younger, just makes their life easier when they get older. Not even just better and more organized, but just, yeah, easier too, you know? And then it also leaves room to create boundaries, right? So it's like, hey, these toys need to be cleaned up. But if you notice that your child is consistently leaving your toys everywhere, then it's like, oh, it's not a punishment, but it's just like, oh, I see that you're finding it really hard to put these toys away. So maybe there's too many toys in here and we'll just leave the ones out that you can remember to put away. Right. And so it's like language that's perfect. We're going to leave the ones out that you can, that you're showing me that you know how to clean up. So I'll take everything else out of here and maybe they'll be upset about that. But like, that's the choice that you made. I'll bring them back in a little bit. And maybe as you bring them back, it's like one at a time. You can Mm -hmm. introduce one toy and like, let's see, do they put it away? Okay, great. You can bring the next one back. Um, And then if it starts happening again and they're all over the place, like, oh, I I noticed that you're leaving your toys out again. Okay, no worries. I'll just, it seems like maybe there's too many. So we'll just scale it back, you know, and eventually the child will learn to govern their own behavior. And then again, it goes back to you not having to be that helicopter parent trying to clean up, you know, taking the, I'm going to take away your toys. Like you're doing the same thing, but it doesn't have to be so, so like uh, punitive, you know? Yeah. And again, you're giving them the reason why, you know, and you're also giving them that self-sufficiency where they might say, uh, no, 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 mom, can we leave that one out? And there might be a because, and then they have that ownership to, they understand that they do have to clean it up to be able to keep it. Right. And that's a great opportunity to say, okay, well, let's, Mm -hmm. let's try that. You know, she said she wanted to do it. Okay, here we go. But here's my expectation. Come meet me up here. And if you don't, that's okay. I'm not mad at you. We all make mistakes, but I am going to take these activities out of here because you're showing me you're not ready for them. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. I think that jumps into, to expectations with, going places and having that conversation with even, you know, a three-year-old or younger one, we're going into the grocery store. I'd love for you to help me pick out some healthy stuff once you pick out a dinner, but we're not going to get any of the candy at the front. And I just, you know, do okay. You Mm -hmm. understand? Like we're right. You know, and just setting that up for success by laying in that, that language before you even get in the store, before you even go like, you know, if you take your daughter to a concert or something, we're not going to talk in the middle. We're going to clap at the end to say a good job. And, you know, you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. those little things of this is what I expect of you. Let's be clear and then let them rise, rise to meet it. And then you can congratulate it after. Yeah. And I think a lot of um, parents have limited, they have, they have, they believe that their children are limited, you know, like they don't believe that they can do all these things that we expect them to do, like clean up behind themselves or like follow that instruction and not ask for the candy or, or maybe ask for it, but understand that I'm going to reinforce the no and, and be okay with it or be quiet during a concert or, you know, all of these things that we know they can do. We, yes. when we give them opportunity to do them, right? Like yeah. it goes, I, I did a post recently about parents um desires to do everything for their children all the time you know it's like yeah there are certain things that you have to do that they can't do for themselves but they want to do things for themselves and we should create opportunities for them to do things for themselves and it just means that we have to raise our expectations 
right? And they will meet, they will meet us there. Yes. As long as your expectations are low, then they're going to meet you there. <laughs> you know, it's like you decide where they meet you. And that actually speaks to so many different things. Like when we talk about, um, you and I were chatting back and forth about the role of the the mother and, and like the woman and how self-care is so important and how, yes. you know, women, the mothers are often expected to just give, 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 never receiving anything in return. But the same thing, like you determine where the expectation is and people are going to meet you there. So if it's, if it's low and you don't expect your partner to ever help or do anything, guess what? They're not, <laughs> you know, if you never expect your child to clean up and you do it for them, why would they clean? You're going to clean. You know, why would your partner help? You're doing everything and not requiring it of them. So you have to speak up. You have to raise the expectation, raise the bar, and people around you will meet you there. And then if they don't meet you there, you get to decide what you think about that, how you feel about that, and whether you're okay with that. True. So true. How do you feel or speak to, I don't even know how to, to phrase the question, but one thing that I had a really hard time with, and I still have to like check myself is my needs. So not even as a mom or a teacher or a woman or whatever, but I, right. Exactly. I was taught as a kid. That was one of my, you know, big T traumas, actually not even a little T trauma when I was a kid that I did not get needs. I was one of four. My parents were both you know, emotionally dysregulated. And I, sorry, mom, if you're listening. And I, you know, they, they joke that I was baby Lonnie in the corner. Oh, she had all these needs. Yeah. I had like major hypoglycemia. Like I would get really low blood sugar all the time. And I'm thinking, yeah, I was hungry, like feed her, you know? <laughs> so as a, an, an adult and then a mom who, yeah, in our culture, it's give, 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 give. You are last. You're not even on your list a lot of the time. So not even being first on the list, but last on the list, what are my needs? You know, like, yeah. oh, I, okay, I get them. Okay, cool. Like, uh, let me get used to that fact that I even get to have needs. Yeah. And also, what are they? And then you have to like actually tell people like your partner, yeah. like and advocate I, for myself. <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. How do you, how do you do that? How, is there a, any advice you give to the moms that you coach of how they can? Yeah. I mean, the amount of moms that tell me they go days without a shower because they're just so busy. And then when they're not busy, they're exhausted. It's like, that is insane. You know, to me, that's like red flag. Hello. You should be at the very least taking a shower every day. You know, like yeah. that's not even a lot to ask. Um, I, I, I just tell people to do kind of what you talked about, which is sit down and identify your needs. Like, remember who you are, you know, get back in touch with that person. Um, if you have to journal, do that. Think about, okay, what are some of the things that make me happy? What are some of the things I used to enjoy doing before marriage or partnership and before motherhood? Write those things down. Those are your needs. You know, like what are the things that make you feel loved? Those are your needs. You know, what are the things that, that bring you true joy? If it's spending time with music, then that's a need, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to little anecdote. Um, so music is my first love and, um, I just like, I can't live without it, but my, my love, uh, he, he's more of like a podcast person and he like can live without music, which is so bizarre to me. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Hard pass. Go on. Right, <laughs> and so when we live separately, like music to him can sometimes feel like noise because I mm. always have it on. And so when we, when we were not living together, I would just like respect his boundary. And like, if he came over, I'd be like, oh, he's coming. Like, let me turn the music down or off or, you know, whatever. Um, and I didn't even really think about what that would mean when we lived together. And so when we lived together and um, we had a baby, you know, I was home with her for the first like two and a half years or so. And so he would leave and go to the office. And so I would have music blasting all day, you know, for she and I. And when he came home, I would feel like, eh, I'll turn it off. Like I've had music playing all day. Like, it's fine now, right? It's like 5 p.m. And I would just like turn it turn it off. And mm -hmm. I just didn't even think about what I was doing there um, yeah. because he was conditioned to like not be around me and music because I would only do like, so I didn't like bring that part of me to the relationship because I knew like what his need was, which was like silence or a very like calm, you know, calm household. And so, and that was fine for me for a while until um, like COVID happened because then mm -hmm. he was home all the time. And I'm like, oh, you can't possibly expect me to be without music all day. <laughs> like, no yeah. way. So we kind of butt heads a little bit because I would like wake up first thing in the morning, like I always did when he was at 
the office and I would like turn the music on and I would go wake the baby, you know, get the baby and shower. Yes. And I would come out of the shower and the music would be off. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I love it. Uh, need sorry. Music. Yeah, I need to cook breakfast. I need music while I cook. And, um, <laughs> you know, and so we kind of got into it for a little bit. And to keep the peace, as we tend to do, I was just like, okay, like, I'll just be the bigger person and I'll, you know, turn it down or I'll only play it around these times or I'll put it in my headphones. And yes. I was like doing that for a while. Um, and then as it moved forward, I realized like I was being kind of snappy and I was like, my mood was impacted. And it's so crazy because it made me realize like, I don't just love and like music. Like I need music for my mood in the same way that I need food, right? <laughs> like, Absolutely. It's, you know, like it actually, it uplifts me the way the sunshine does. And so I had to, we had to have a hard conversation where I was like, I feel like I'm not bringing my full self here. And I also feel like you're getting the short end of the stick because I'm not able to show up like my happy bubbly self because I don't have that outlet. Like I need to be able to hum along and sing and move my body because I'm releasing energy. Like I need to, I need this. Um, and so that for me, that was a need and I had to advocate and he was apologetic too. Cause he was like, Oh, you know, I realized that you liked music, but because he doesn't relate to music in that way, he didn't understand that it was that big of a deal until I said something. Good for you. And so I say that to say, sometimes our partners, men in particular, can be so just, they are socialized in such a terrible way that they can be just really simple and oblivious and not making excuses because it's terrible and we should do better as parents when raising boys. <laughs> Yeah, but not super empathetic. They don't stop to fully think of everyone in the room. No, the room. they are the center. Unless you unless you tell them like, no, I need to be the center. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and so, and I say that to say like, it's so important to just advocate for your needs because sometimes they're being jerks and they know what you need and they're just not doing it. But oftentimes if they love you, that's not the case, right? Oftentimes they legit just haven't thought about it and don't know and didn't know that that's the thing that you needed. They think that because you're holding it all, it's because you like to, and you, this is what you want to do. And so you've got it. Like they don't, she doesn't need help. She hasn't told me she needs help, which is terrible because you should ask your partner if she needs help. <laughs> but like, ask, that's ask how, if they need help. Exactly. You know, Show they up. should. Right. They should. But they don't, you know, not some, there are some unicorn men who are lovely and do, but a lot of them don't. And so you say what you need so that they can meet you there. If you yes. never say it, then you really can't be mad at them. You can be mad at yourself for yep. having such a low bar. Yeah. You know? And then I'll tell you too, because yours is, is younger. She's watching everything. She sees how you stopped listening to music, which you love when a man walked in the room. Yeah. Right. And so I'm learning that lesson the hard way now where I am like, oh, there are some things that I modeled. And so, you know, I have to recover and I apologize to my daughters. And I'm like, I'm sorry that you saw that, but I, I maybe you got the example of how to do it both ways, right? Like now you're yeah. seeing how I'm showing up and, and saying no to things, mm -hmm. but also this is how we're doing it. But, you know, those kids watch everything. They yeah. see everything. So yeah. even for seeing you know, him walk in the door at the end of the day and you turn it off. They, it, they just, mm -hmm. you know, it registers yeah. in there in that little yeah. computer brain of theirs of, Oh, this is how we treat. Yeah. Like as though they're like some deity above yes. you, you know, no, they're not. They are human. Just like you, they're a partner in this. You know, I understand that they, people say like, Oh, the man is the head of the household. Like, sure. Believe whatever you believe, but I believe that we are equal. Yes. My needs are just as important as your needs. You need solitude and silence. I need solitude and music. <laughs> so right. you take the baby so I can have my, my music and I'll keep the baby so you can have your silence and we'll go, you know what I mean? We're going to have to figure out a way for us both to get what we need because your needs are not more important than mine. They are important. They are important. Absolutely. But they're and not so everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I had a therapist once that said, you know, it, when you wake up a little bit before your, your kids in the morning and you can have that 15 minutes of kind of, you know, setting your mindset for the day, having some quiet time, journal or meditate or whatever it is that you do, taking a second to ask yourself that question, you know, from that little, you know, internal little child of yours, but also just from the 
higher self that you are right now, what do I need today? And not the laundry list, not the like, well, I got to go to the store. Yeah. My body needs to wash. Da, 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 and no, that's what the household needs. Exactly. Not that, just that quiet, intuitive, what do I need today? And when you start practicing to listen to that, I think it does come up a whole lot more. And one anecdote that I'm going to share is I think when you start saying what your needs are and, and laying down some boundaries, especially with someone who you know loves you and isn't going to run at first step of you being like, okay, I have this boundary. They're not just going to run out the door, right? Yeah. So you're not afraid of that. I think, tell me if this happened to you. You say it really loud. Like there's some, it's not this gentle, like, um, can I please? No, it comes out. And so sometimes you have to learn how to state that need in a friendly, calm way, even though you're setting this, this strong boundary or, or saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have music playing. It really brings mm -hmm. me joy. It's happy. You know, if it's, you need a break for an hour, cause we've done something or whatever, like we can work together. But when you first learn a, you that know why that happens. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, because it's there, it's like under resentment because yes. we've silenced it for so long and we've been wanting to say it and, and denying ourselves the opportunity that when we say it, we're saying it because we're like bubbling over. Yeah. And so that's why we're just like, this is what I need right now. <laughs> As opposed to like, yes. hey, I need this, which is what, what, that's what would come out if we said it when we initially thought it and felt it. It would be right. more calm, right? Yes. Because we, it would just be like conversational. Like, hey, actually, this is the thing I need. But when you right. deny yourself, then you're saying that, but you're also expressing the emotions of resentment and, you know, frustration and all the other things that came along with not saying it for so long. Right. Which and is not healthy for anyone. No. And then you have to repair. And, okay. I was wrong. I overreacted a little bit. Yeah. I'm sorry. But, right. Which brings me to your voice and the words that you speak to your kids is the voice inside their heads. Yeah. Right? It's their, the things that they hear you say to them, about them, for them, with them, all of that really becomes their inner monologue. And I just am curious, again, how you coach your parents, but how you do with your own in terms of just, not just watching your language and being very um, aware of how you're saying it, but but really how it really does, it shapes how they see themselves. 100%. I, I approach, I'm so, we talked about, I'm a Montessorian through and through. And so I approach life that way and I approach parenting that way. And so I'm constantly mindful of, that's actually one of the reasons that I ended up laying my boundary. Cause I was like, whoa, she's watching. Hold on. <laughs> I need her to see a, you know, a good example of what a relationship should be like and that it's give and take and that you don't need to silence yourself and your needs for somebody else. Um, and so when I, when I, um, I, I believe in what you just said is so true, which is that the things that you say become their inner voice. And because I'm mindful of that, mm -hmm. I just try to move slowly mm -hmm. when I'm engaging her so that I'm actually mindful of the things that I'm saying, you know, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to be perfect. And this is the same thing that I tell parents too, because I think a lot of parents are hypervigilant when it comes to parenting. They're like, oh, if I'm not perfect, then I'm a failure. <laughs> you know, it's not black or white, you know, there's a parent, you parent, when we parent, we parent in the gray area, right? Like we parent in the gray period. And so it doesn't mean that you're never going to raise your voice or say something that might be harmful or, you know, whatever you may very well, you know, we're human, we make mistakes. but what do you do when you make a mistake? That's the part that matters. Right. So like you might flash and say, I told you to stop it. Right. Cause you lost, you lost it. And so yes that happens. But what do you do next? Do you just like go to your room and storm off and just leave it at that and then re-engage about something else later? Or is your next engagement an apology like, hey, or acknowledgement, hey, I yelled at you a little earlier. I was really frustrated and I'm sorry, nobody should talk to you like that. Not even me. I love you. You know, it's simple, right? But like, so simple. We parent in this way. We're gonna mess up. Yeah, but it's also so respectful of the child. It's respectful that they are a human just like you are. And just feelings. Because, right, exactly. Just because you've been longer on this planet does not mean that you don't have the same feelings and, you're, and they don't deserve that level of respect. You know, there are these little 
yeah, little people. And so they deserve to A, see how to apologize and then have the behavior change, but also that level of respect of that was wrong. I am so sorry. And being Montessori theory, again, being friendly with error, right? So like this idea that like, oh, I made a mistake and I can come and apologize about it and acknowledge it because that means they can do the same thing with both with their peer groups and with themselves. Yeah. Right? So if I make a mistake, I can, it's not the end of the world. I can forgive myself because we all make mistakes. And when we talk about how the things that we say becomes the child's um, inner monologue, one thing that we say a lot in our house is, oh, I made a mistake. That's so silly, but we all make mistakes, right? Yep. Like we, we call out all, every time we do anything wrong. Like if I'm, if I'm trying to pick something up and I drop it, I'll be like, oh, I, now, did you see me drop that thing? I just dropped it. That was an accident. I made a mistake. We all make mistakes. You know, we call it out all the time. And it's so cute because I hear her doing the same thing. Like she'll put her shoes on the wrong feet and she'll be like, oh, mom, look at my shoes. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Oh, we all I make mistakes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just want, I don't want, you know, a child that beats themselves up about making mistakes. And the same thing goes with the parents. Like we should also not beat ourselves up when we make mistakes. We show them that it's okay yeah. You know, mistakes are natural and normal and that's okay. Yeah. And you just repair so that you can move on, but it's not okay to just make mistake and never acknowledge and move on. That part of that type of mistake is not okay. Right. Mistakes that and you also, make and acknowledge are fine. Yeah. And having the freedom for, if you know, making a mistake is okay, then, then that gives permission for them to try something hard. It gives them permission to try something that they have this crazy goal of, I'm going to go and I don't know, whatever it is, because you know what, if you fail, you know, same, it's on the same wavelength of failing to say, okay, well, at least I tried. Yeah. And I'll try again. And maybe I didn't do it this time, but like, I'm not afraid to fail again because I can do it again. Exactly. And I know mom's going to be there with that big smile going like, yep, that happened. All right. They'll love you just the same. Exactly. And we'll try again next time. Maybe it was a little bit hard for you, but maybe when you get a little bigger, we'll try it again or, you know, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned before we were talking about your daughter, not putting things away that, that maybe your mom was in the house and she was like, Oh, that's not, you know, put the things away. And we are doing things a little bit different than, than our parents did it. And definitely than our grandparents did it. Are there any big things that you had to break when you became a mom that happened to you as a kid or something just, you know, we're this new, this new generation. And, and one of the reasons I want to do this podcast is to take these things that I've learned and that worked really well. Cause my kids are in college and be like, this worked come follow me this way. My kids are my best friends. They call me all the time. They just are all going to come home for my birthday on a random weekend. Like they, we all want to be together because they were loved, you know, as good as I could. So it's, we've changed. We've changed some of this generational trauma. We've changed some of the things that our parents did to us and around us. I'm from the generation that, you know, we were all latchkey kids and our parents, like, they had no idea what our grades were. They had no idea. You know, we didn't have cell phones. They didn't have find my friends to know what they didn't. My parents knew nothing ever and didn't really ask. They didn't really care what we were doing. (laughs) You know what I mean? So are there anything in, in your parenting or having your mom around sometimes that, that you've had to really move that boat in a new direction? So many things. (laughs) So many things. Yeah. Um, Well, one, we used to get hit when we made mistakes or like got in trouble. And I, I always knew that I wasn't going to do that. Um, I also, you know, there was also this understanding of a child's place, like children need to know their place and children should be seen and not heard and all that. And like, I don't agree with any of that. Um, I think my child has a right to have a voice and opinions I think that she can be taught to say them in a kind way. Like she doesn't have to be rude, but she's free to speak. You know, I want her to feel like it's okay for her to take up space. Um, And it also actually is twofold because, you know, my daughter's a black girl. And so there's like different, you know, societal expectations around the ways that black girls and women can show up in certain spaces. And I want her to be audacious. Like, you know, I'm trying to raise somebody who was like, who's going to tell me, you're going to tell me that I can't do what, you know, you know, I want her to laugh in people's faces when they try to tell her what she can't do or where she doesn't belong. Like 
And so because I want her to be that type of person, I'm absolutely engaging her that way now. You know, you deserve to take up space here. You deserve, you have a voice. What you have to say matters. And I want her to show up that way in the world. Um, like I legit want her to laugh at people when they tell her, like I want her to find it so far fetched that it's hilarious. Um, and so my mom, you know, sometimes she'll say things or she'll ask a question and my mom will be like, that was rude. And I'm like, mm, what did she say that was rude? You know? Yeah. Was it rude or was it standing up for herself? Cause yeah. those can look very similar. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so I'll have to like kind of talk to my mom about stuff like that. Um, or, you know, if somebody says something to her and she says, no, in my, in my family, that's like, it's rude, but it's like, no, she has a voice, you know? And so I find that I have to constantly step in on her behalf, but I also, I I'm strategic in the way that I do it because I don't want her to feel like it's okay for her to just be disrespectful. And I'm going to defend disrespect because that's different. Um, but I do defend her right to say no when she doesn't want like a hug from someone or, you know, like, no, this is, yeah, she has, she has autonomy over her body. And if she doesn't want to hug, she can say hi. And I do require that she says hi to her family. Cause come on, like you can use your words and say hello, but Absolutely. like you don't have to hug. I say hello, but if you don't want to give a hug, you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, that's fine. But you do need to acknowledge that's your grandmother, you know, so that's kind of where I am. But my mom is like, I want to hug. Like, this is my grandbaby. Like, yes, but that's her body. <laughs> you know, like your yeah. desire to have a hug does not trump her desire not to give one. Um, and so we have to do, you know, things like that. Um, and then also, if I can be a preschool teacher in a classroom full of 18 children and manage to keep my voice calm all day, manage not to hit any of the children to get them to do what I want. Like, if I can do that in a classroom of 18, I can absolutely do that with my one three-year-old. <laughs> so true you know so, so true. 18, I just find I'm it. jealous I had 28 at one point and oh, oh, tell me about it that was my last year that I was fully in the classroom I was like and I'm out no thank yeah, that you that is a lot 28 oh my yeah I feel yeah. like honestly like 10 to 15 is like a happy happy point for me uh, I completely agree I completely agree and sometimes you know it's great having an aid and sometimes it's just to get more kids in the classroom and you still have to be in charge of everything. So if the yeah. aide is helping one person somewhere, you still, now you I have, have 27. The rest. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I get that a lot. The, well, you're so much more patient than I am. And, you know, I don't know how you t speak to kids that way because you just have that patience. And I'm like, you know, it's just, it really is a mindset. It really is. A, I'm not going to yell at kids. Because why kids. am I yelling? Would I yell at an adult? And that's another thing. It's like, you parents, <laughs> you yeah. managed to like, you managed to keep your composure when people upset you at work. You managed yeah. to keep your composure when, you know, you're talking to, I don't know, some random person on the street who maybe was rude to you. Like you managed to keep your composure, mm -hmm. but you come home to your child, the person who needs you to have it together the most, the person who is the most innocent from out of everyone that you deal with in a day, the person yeah. who didn't ask to be here that you brought into this world and you lose your patience. And I just, I'm so confused by that. And I, I'm, I'm not confused because I, I get it. And it's just, it's important to be mindful of those same tools that you bring out when you're, when you're keeping your composure at work, when you're somebody, you know, threw you under the bus or someone did something in a meeting, like whatever happened. And you, you found the words to say, and you were able to stay calm and to suppress that frustration. You didn't bubble over and shout or try to hit them. So keep that same energy. <laughs> you with know? The one person that you love most in the world. That is a really good analogy. I never thought of it that way, that with coworkers, it, it works for like spanking too. If you're mad at someone who works for you or underneath you or whatever, you know, hit you're them. You're not going to hit them because they were right. So why would you hit again? The one person that you love most in this entire world. Like that is such a good way to yeah. lens to look at it. Through. I mean, right before we got on the call, I was making a TikTok because I wasn't sure if you were going to, you know, move the time. And I was making a TikTok and my TikTok was just about, I'll, I'll post it later, but it was just about when you start a new job, you get there, you don't know anything. You're going to learn. And you have a trainer and they're showing you the ropes or telling you what to do. And you're going to make mistakes because that's life. And they're going to correct you gently because that's life, right? That's the, that's the child's experience. They get here, they they don't know anything. You have to teach them what to do, how to be, how to move, like how to be respectful, how to put their things away. Yeah. Whatever the thing is, we are here to teach them and to guide them. And when they make a mistake, 
if you made a mistake at work and your trainer was like, not like that, like this, <laughs> you know what I mean? And trying to hit you, you know, that would be just so crazy because you're new here and how are you supposed to know? Or like, you know, it, you have, they, they extend you grace. And likewise, we should extend our children that same grace. Okay. They're learning. Let me, yeah. let me tell them again, the same thing that I just told them. Okay. Let me tell them in a new way because they're not getting it this way. Right. Yeah. So you figure out ways to be creative and to correct them gently the same way that you would expect your trainer at a new job to correct you because you understand that you're new. You just got here. Your child is new. They just got here. What are they? Three, three years. They've been here two years, been able to talk, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then I would say throwing it forward of, you know, how would you want your relationship to be with your daughter in 10 years? So now she's 13, you know, about to go to high school next year. How do you want that relationship to look and feel and how close do you want to be with her? Because everything you're doing now is laying the groundwork for them. Yep. And, you know, bigger kids, bigger problems. They, they are going to be presented with some really tough decisions in terms of, you know, how they use their body and what they ingest in their body and whose car they get into. And you know what I mean? They turn into these big things. And so that voice in their head, you, you want to have them know that you not only have their best interests, but you're a safe space they can come to if they did make a mistake. Yeah. And they, right. And I so I don't want them really, to be so afraid that they're going to be in trouble with me, that they won't tell me things. Right. But you do have to practice it when they're three. Yeah. Right. How many kids did you have at your school where they would hide something in their backpack? Oh, like they brought a toy. From the they would, right. Exactly. Or they would bring, I had kids sometimes they had something at school they loved and they, they, you know, put it in their backpack and take it home. And that's a big, you want to be the one they tell mm -hmm. everything and you are such a safe space and you are so loving and kind and going to steer them back to the right way that they can tell you everything. And that they trust your guidance. They trust like with the response that you're going to give them, you know, any sort of feedback or suggestions. Like they, you want them to say like, oh, my mom told me this. Okay. That, and then that's, that's what I'm going to do because she yes. has tried and true. Right. And just be their biggest cheerleader too, because you want them, you know, it's funny. There's so much about, um, not mindset, but what's the way that you teach kids? Like, you don't just say you're smart, but you say like, Oh, I saw you worked really hard on that. How did that go? I feel like that is mindset. No, no, there's another word for it. I Great. can't think of uh, it'll come to me in a second, but basically the, the, how to, how to frame, how you speak to your kids in terms of just not, um, growth mindset. There it oh, is. Okay. Growth mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll come to me eventually. So mindset was in the name, but basically not just be like, Oh, well, you're so smart. That's why you did great on that. Right. It's not something that is just, and it might be something that's just in them, but, but admiring them for how they present that. I just saw you were so kind when you did that. Thank you. That was great. Well, I saw like, you were working on that for a really long time. Wow. You, you're really good at doing hard things. Yeah, exactly. And how did that feel? And having them feel how that felt in their body and, and bring it all back. I just want to throw all those things out there. Yeah. I feel like they're all just so amazingly important, but I won't keep you all day long. So let's do some of the fun ones at the end. Um, is there a piece of advice that was the best advice you feel like you ever received whether it was like grandma advice, you know, from that place of just soft, loving, you know, we get to be these women who just can wrap up these kids in our arms and just love them completely. But just a piece of advice that you feel really is a, I don't know, just the best piece of advice you ever got that you would pass along to any mom coming up behind you. Hmm. Um, you know what? The thing that came to me is actually about choosing the right partner to <laughs> to become a mom with. Mm -hmm. And this is like the old, my grandmother told me this years ago, and it took me a really long time to understand why or what it meant. And I, I've heard it so many times before and I see it being debated on social media, but I'm going to just say it. Um, and what she said was, you know, when you're dating, you always make sure to choose the man who loves you a little bit more than you love him. <laughs> love that. So, but what's crazy about that is I'd be like, what? That doesn't make any sense. No, love should be 50-50. Like we should love each other the same and blah, blah, blah. But what I've learned over the years, it always comes back down to, you know, the partner who, you know, and I'm saying it with, saying it with air quotes, who loves you a little bit more. Um, the reason that you want that type 
is because when we talk about the man who is oblivious and who's not thinking about these things, the one who loves you a little bit more is going to think about those things, right? Because they they like care so much about your happiness that they're trying to figure out ways to make you happy. And then women, when, when we notice that our partner is behaving in this way toward us, our love grows. And so it's like they love you more, but then we... But not really, because then we try to outlove each other. Like love is like, it happens on an affinity loop, right? It's like, yeah. you're showing me so much and then I'm giving it back to you and you're, which makes you pour it back into me and so on. But I think a lot of times with women, when we partner up, we sometimes, and depending, I guess it depends on how your attachment, what your attachment style is, but we tend to find the ones that like, we just are into, right? Like, oh, I like that one, right? Yeah. And so we choose that one and whether or not, and they, you know, so we partner with the one, but then when we partner with the wrong type, it ends up being an uphill battle for us to get our needs met because we're worried about their needs and we're worried about our needs. And so we have to advocate harder for our needs. Right. But when you find the one who, you know, is, is concerned about you as much as you're concerned about them, you can advocate less or you say it one time and they're like, got it. I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, and so when we talk about self-care and we talk about like mothers carving out time to have their needs met or being able to um, voice their voice their needs. Um, it's just so much easier to do when you have a partner who actually cares about them. Yeah, that's so, so, so true. One of the things that I forgot to touch on before, but you, it, it kind of is in the middle of that. It's kind of woven in is that there are so many times that, that we as moms need to not just keep our composure, but also help our kids to regulate right? They might come home from school and they've had a day or they came home from the park or dance class and they didn't get chosen to be in the front row or whatever it is. And they're a little dysregulated and we need to be just the calmest, cool, so that they can regulate with our energy. And you're right. If you have a partner that will maybe see that you're starting to lose it because there's a lot going on, it's like, hey, child, why don't you come with me and let's take a walk. Right. And is, is really choosing to engage that way. Or you say like, you're, you know, I can't tell you the number of times I used to say to my husband, like, read the room, bro. Like there's <laughs> something going on, right? like just see what's going on. But, but when they are attentive and they want to help you because they do, you're right. We do rise up to it too. We too do much. want to love them more because yeah. we're like, oh my God, he cares about me. And he yeah. actually stepped up and, and you're right. So we kind of like, you know, do that little dance of, of and it's so lovely and beautiful. And like, and it's also, you know, cause I do have, because I actually talk about that in my coaching practice, it, it ends up feeling like therapy. I'm thinking about going back to get like licensed to just learn more about what it is to be a therapist because a lot of it feels like that. Um, yeah. But but a lot of people feel like dismayed by that. Like, oh, well, I didn't choose that one, you know? <laughs> like, I, And so it's like, but it's okay because all that means now is like, it's going to be a little bit harder. It's going to be a hill to climb. But if you're willing to put in the work and like stop allowing them to just get over on you and show them what you need, most often than not, unless you just married a terrible, terrible human, they're going to rise to the occasion. It just might take a little bit extra work, right? And yeah. so you just have to have a voice, find your voice again. Exactly. And that's, you know, my whole tagline of this is creating these happy kids through a joyful, mindful mom, right? You need to know, again, it goes back to that. You need to know what you need. You have to advocate for what you need. And if you have a partner that's truly not showing up for that and could care less about what your needs are, then maybe you need to make a change there. Yeah. Right. But if they love you, they will show up. Yeah. Or at least like make strides to try, you know, to try to do something. But if they're just like, eh, you got it and you'll never leave, then that's craziness. (laughs) That person, that's not love. Right. And then it's actually a lot easier to do it alone because then you're not wasting the energy on telling them mm-hmm. and having it fall on deaf ears or there's energy you can put it in other ways. But- and you can co-parent, which means you'll have a couple days to yourself <laughs> here and there. Because ah, you do matter and you do need to be your best self so you can show up calmly for your kids. Like yeah, you it's can't- the only way. It's the only way. Ugh. Okay. So last question is I think my favorite. So if this podcast was a time capsule and your daughter was going to listen to it or hear it or see it or whatever in like 30 years, is there a moment that you can think of that was just a magical family parent child moment? 
And she would hear it and be like, oh my God, I do remember that. But hearing it from her mom's eyes of like, because I'll, I'll tell you one, just for an example, we were living in Montana for a little while. And like I said, my daughter is a Montessori baby through and through. This is my, she's the one on my little podcast thing too. And her organizing the kitchen and we had music on blasting as we always do. And she's putting everything away perfectly as a Montessori baby would. And she had a friend come over because she wanted to show off her work and she was so proud. And she's like, Hey mom, can we turn on that playlist? And I was like, absolutely. And we were, and she was so proud to show off our relationship to a friend that she just wanted to bring everybody in it. And we just like mother daughter singing as loud as we could and just being silly, but also like working because we were putting everything. And so it was just this like, yeah, right. We're just doing it. And music obviously was a huge part of it. It always is. Yeah. Music is a part of mine too. I don't know that I have any one in particular. I feel like there's so many, but always involving music. Yeah. Um, because my daughter's a little budding music lover. What an amazing I, episode. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening song. all the way to the end. Just want <laughs> like, to reiterate, like, if you want to find Dads Don't Babysit, send your the man in your life over there. Dads Don't Babysit is Nate Feathers, and he's on Instagram. And if you're a dad that listens to Dads Don't Babysit, and you think your wife might, or significant other, girlfriend, or whatever she is to you, might baby mama, whatever you call it, might want to hear um, a little bit more about I, what I do, I am yes.mama Ilana, M-A-M-A, I-L-A-N-A on Instagram. And we're just so grateful you were here to listen in because the whole goal is to just love our kids well, right? And they can go and love more people well and we can just spread it and have it just be something amazing that goes all around the world and just builds a sense of community of everyone who's loved well. So we love you guys. Go love on those kids. See you next time. Thanks for being here. Co-regulation and stuff that there is a feeling when music is on in the house and everyone is feeling good and, you know, high vibe and happy that there's just, it has a feeling to it too. It's not just what you're hearing and it's not just, you know, what you're doing, but there, there is such a feeling of, of togetherness and community and love and, and all those things that I know we feel as moms, but I know the kids feel too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, and wait till you guys like start going to concerts. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. We're starting this summer, actually jazz festivals. I'm like, you're going to be four. That's fine. You can come. Oh, 100%. You just play the music before us so she knows it a little yeah. bit. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to jazz festivals all summer long. I love it. Do you Are you familiar with Michael Franti? He lives in your part of the world, too. Okay, so now you have to check out Michael Franti. He's one of my absolute favorites, mostly because his messages are so positive, and he has all these different albums, and on every one, there's something that just speaks to being, like, happy and high vibe and good music and he lives right down the street from you so oh there you go yeah so you'll have to look him up because he's amazing he used to have these big concerts in san francisco because that's again where he's from and where he's well, i'm looking lives. forward to the blue nose and um, blue nose blue note jazz festival that's coming to napa um it's oh. going to be the second year um yeah, I just I just love it. But I listen to a lot of instrumentals because I like to make up my own words. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I love that. So there's um there's an artist who plays the electric guitar. His name's uh, Mansur Brown. Okay. He's like my favorite thing ever. So you should That's definitely awesome. I'll check that out. And then you kind of have like a karaoke situation going on. Yeah, because on. then there's just music and then like you can just fill in the blank with whatever mood you're in or whatever, you know, obviously I listen to music with words, lyrics, and obviously too, but for the most part, if it's just like background music in the house, it's usually instrumentals um, that just capture whatever vibe I decide to give it, (laughs) you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Um, I know that parents can can reach out and, and coach with you one on one or in your yeah thoughts. um yep you can my my website is kiruedcom that's k i r u e d dot com and so on there you can kind of learn about my parenting philosophy and schedule one to ones I also do group coaching although my group coaching lately has all of my group folks have turned into one-to-ones. <laughs> and so my groups, when people drop in, they tend to be like one-to-one or two-to-one. So it's kind of like a discounted 
coaching practice, you know? Yeah. It's um, like therapy session at yeah. that point too. I hear you. And then it looks like you have a nice little, um, PDF on your website too, of super helpful. Oh, that's something I believe in wholeheartedly that parents should have goals. And that's yeah. like, we can talk about that for ages. I do um, <laughs> workshops and facilitation on, um, the importance of setting, setting goals for parenting, because I believe that when you have goals in mind and you understand what you're parenting for, then it's so much easier to kind of keep your eye on the prize and not lose your cool because yeah. anything, doing anything outside of what you know will get you to that outcome is going to derail you. And so it helps you to say like, okay, if I yell here, what's that going to do for her spirit? If I'm trying to raise someone who's high spirited, then like me yelling might diminish that. So I'm not going to yell, you know? So yes. it just kind of helps keep it in focus. And so I have a worksheet on my, like a, a purposeful parenting guide on my website for available for download. And it just kind of helps you walk through different questions to help you articulate your goals. Like, what do I want? What does that mean? What does it look like? It's a sort of a, a backwards plan to help you identify parenting goals for your child. I that love you can that. Yeah. And, and the, the, um, that you can choose, you know, this is how I want my relationship to look. This is how, you know, so many parents are like, well, my kids, so blah, 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 or whatever they are. Well, a lot of that is learned behavior. A lot of that is, is, you know, what you've put out there and not And just... some of it is personality too. And like, so yeah, if your child has this type of personality, then tweak your engagement for that type of personality. You know, you're the adult, exactly. you're the parent. It's up to you yeah. to make the changes. So yeah. yeah, it's just about accountability, really. Parenting is about accountability. Agreed. Agreed. Ah, well, thank you so much, so much. This was so wonderful. And yes, anytime you want to have lessons of any kind, piano, ukulele, whatever. Hey, I am serious. With you started guitar. ukulele, but when she turns four, I'm going to get serious about her music. So in May, that's May. <laughs> so this summer, we get her started. Yeah. Well, I'll send you guys a little piano book that she can start with because it's brilliant to be able to read music is so it's wonderful for everything yeah you know and they're so young and they can just absorb all you know that yeah. absorbent mind yes, all those things so it's awesome okay, i'm gonna email you about it because i'm serious i really do want to get her started i i'm in absolutely thanks okay, alana thank so much okay yes mamas how fun was that i hope you enjoyed it as much as i enjoyed filming it and I just wanted to remind everyone that the month of April for my Monday morning meditations is actually family meditations for April. So I invite you to listen to it, not just by yourself in your car when you need a minute to calm down, but also enjoy, invite your family to come join you and just create a moment of peace and quiet and coming back to yourselves before you go into your day. So thank you so much for being here. I know that you enjoyed this episode, but if you did, please subscribe so you don't miss anything, like it, and then also leave a review. I would love to hear what you thought about everything and what you'd like to hear more of. I'll see you next week on Monday for a guided family meditation. And then next Wednesday is Erica, who has really raised these amazing kids who have done cool things in collegiate sports. So if your kids aren't into sports and you want to know how to guide them through their elementary, middle, high school, and then on to college to really be in collegiate sports. As we all know, that's not the easiest thing to do. Then come join us. See you then. Love you all so much. Go love on those kids. <laughs>